How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. Shelvin Mack, low right side, works the baseline, bullets it out to Ingles. He's got a line on it. He'll fire the three, and it's good. And Utah's suddenly up 11. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for Thursday, the 12th of December, Facebook Live Edition. Jazz blow out the thunder. We'll break that down for you. It really went as we thought it would. We'll look at all that. The new CBA is done, and we'll take your questions. It's all coming up on this Thursday edition of Locked On Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Thanks so much for tuning in to Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Jazz uh, win last night over the Thunder. We'll talk and break that down for you uh, along the way and have a bunch of fun uh, aspects to, to how well they're playing. A lot of, a lot of national love going on uh, right now for this team. Uh, Locked on NBA has two episodes this week, one of which is the uh, scout, which I thought was really good. Some interesting comments about bigs who are bet really good. Some other aspects of that. Uh, and then also uh, Kevin Pelton. So make sure you go to Lockdown NBA. This should be your first stop of all pods. And then you can go there. Then I went on uh, the Thunder, Lockdown Thunder. I can't do anything in Oklahoma City without pissing them off every time. So if you want to hear that, they're mad at me again. Probably rightfully so. Who knows? Uh, I told them that their whole stand-up at the beginning of the game thing was lame. They do it backwards. They do it backwards. You should be standing for when, until the other team scores. And then you should sit down. They do it backwards. That's all I was saying. And then the rest of the league followed. They didn't they didn't think that was nice. So uh all right. That's that's kind of what I got there for you. Today's show is brought to you by Shamrock Auto Group. Uh this is a really good group out of Pleasant Grove, car dealership. Uh Rob Thomas and the guys out there really pride themselves more than anything else on giving you a customer experience that's unequaled. In fact, that's they. You know, most of their business is return, and the really cool thing is a lot of their business is guys that where they don't actually have the car in stock, but they want to deal with Rob so much or Kellen or or one of the guys over there. That what they do is they go get the car for them. So they're in Pleasant Grove, Utah. They're going to give you a hassle-free driving experience. And if you go take a second and just search Shamrock Auto Group and look at the Google reviews, you'll see that they back that up. It's it's really stunning. I've done this numerous times uh, on the show. About this group. But what they're going to do is they're going to get you out the door pricing in five minutes. They're going to test drive, let you test drive the car by yourself. They're going to have you a buying experience in under an hour. And uh, full service uh, financing in-house, all value-driven Carfax on every car. And uh, you're all set. So right now, you can just go to their site. You can see they have the Chevy, Chevy Traverse for twenty five nine. Uh, they've got an F5. Uh, F-150 for $37.9. Bunch of great prices. Bunch of great selection. Suburban, 2015 Chevy Suburban. Whatever it might be. If you're in the holiday, if you know someone who's going to be uh, buying a car, considering buying a purchase, make sure they check out Shamrock Auto Group. You can call Rob on his cell phone. It's 801-319-2250. That's 801-319-2250. That's 801-319-2250. Somebody uh, 
already mentioned I wasn't drinking coffee. I, I finished it, and I'm I'm out. Um, so I, I went to the emergency this morning. Got to try to stay healthy during the season. All right, let's get to our pins across the world. That's always where we start in the program. And then make sure you submit your questions on the Facebook Live, and we'll we'll get to those uh, throughout the – I'll just hit the first two things of the show, which are just last night's performance, overall performance of the team, which is superb. Like, I really think we might be great. Uh, and – uh, then run over uh, and take your uh, your questions on on how things work. Uh, let's go to our pins across the world, though, uh, to start off the show today. We all, this is always my favorite part. And you can email me at dlox09 at gmail.com uh, to send me in your pins. Sometimes we go new. Sometimes we go old on our pins across the world. And we're going to go the last one that just came in. And it comes in. Uh, from Chase McPhee. My name's Chase McPhee. I'm 30 years old. I live in St. George. I live. I grew up in Salt Lake in the holiday area and have worshipped the game basketball ever since I can remember. I remember the specific moment when I was nine years old that I realized I was a Jazz fan of the core. It was when they lost to the Sonics in Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals. I was there with my father at Key Arena uh, working for the Jazz. It sucked. Uh, I remember watching at my cousin's house. My whole family was silent as we watched the video clips of Sean Kemp and Gary Payton celebrating in the locker room. I hated that, and ever since I've lived and died with the Jazz wanting to win every single game. One year later, I was able to attend Game 3 of the 97 Finals with my mom. That's an experience that still gives me chills to this day. I watch YouTube clips of that game almost on a weekly basis. My mom passed away a couple of years after that, and that game is a treasured memory. Sad, but that's that's the wonderful thing that sports does, gives us these. I started listening to your podcast about four weeks ago. I've listened every day since. I love the podcast and the broadcast you do. I look forward to it every day. I even started my own comedy podcast a few weeks ago. I've recorded two episodes, but I've taken what I've heard you do and incorporated into what I do. Thanks for the podcast. I look forward to hearing more. Um, Clan McPhee 86, I think, is what his show is, if anybody wants to check it out. Uh, there will be a day when the Jazz are in the finals again, and I'll be screaming my head off uh, like I was in my childhood. Chase, thank you very much for the pin, and uh, glad to have you out in St. George, 30 years old. Uh, you should get good comedy just by being in St. George all by yourself. I don't know if I, you know. Okay, that was. See, now Oklahoma City and St. George doesn't like me. All right, let's get to our pin across the world. I, I just, last night I thought the Jazz were, and that was an ask. Whoops, that was a butt kick. Uh, that that game was not close. Uh, you start digging in a little bit on the numbers in last night's game, and the Jazz hammered them. Now, I also thought what was really interesting to me was here's Oklahoma City missing one starter, and they're completely flawed. Whereas we've been missing another game where we didn't have two starters, and we were you know, and we aren't flawed. And I I think that's what really jumped out to me more than maybe anything else in that game was when you suddenly look at the difference between our depth and Oklahoma City. You just see that while they may have Russ, who's incredible, we're just so much of a better team than they are. Um, and, and, I, and I think that, you know, that jumped out to me more than anything else because, quite frankly, you know, they, they without Oladipo, they looked awful, uh, truly, truly awful. Uh, and didn't and didn't look right, you know. When when Russ is driving, there's no help. There's got and the Jazz defense was was fantastic. And Oladipo is frankly just not that good. I mean, he's good, but he's not the kind of player that if you suddenly don't have him, that you should completely fall apart. Um, and and so that's pro, that's what I mean by he's not that good. It's not like you're missing Russ. Uh, and here are the Jazz who played yet another game without two of their starters. I know that Derek played, but he played 12 minutes. I, I don't think that counts as him being at full strength. Um, and 
you know, along the way. And so what you end up, what we're seeing, sorry, I just had a pivot table I wanted to pull up and it, it just went awry uh, and didn't pull up like it was supposed to at the pause. Uh, but nonetheless, I think it just shows how different the Jazz are. The Jazz are now 6-8 and eight when playing two or fewer, having two or more starters out, uh, which is, you know, fairly remarkable. Um, and then I think, you know, the next angle on this is you look at the Jazz when they do, when they are healthy and they're incredible. Uh, the other one that I think was is just what they did to Russ last night. Uh, Russell, in the first seven seconds of shot clock, shot four of six and otherwise was about three of 19. And, you know, we talked about it on yesterday's program. We broke that down for you, that that was a huge part of this game. And then to be able to turn around and execute that is really, truly incredible um, that the Jazz were able to execute it in that fashion. I, I, I'm so impressed by just the game planning and the work that this team puts in and this coaching staff puts in on a regular basis that they're so regularly able to execute the game plan at that level. It's, um, it, it, it's, it's stunning that you have a team that does that, really. And that, to me, is uh, su- super, super impressive uh, to what they did last night. Otherwise, Rudy was great again. I mean, some of Rudy's numbers are just absurd. Tomorrow's Pack Friday. I can't imagine where he's going to be. Uh, Got to figure he's going to be close to the number one offensive player in the top ten games. He's shooting over 70% and over 70% from the free throw line. Uh, I joked on the air last night that I was still worried about Rudy because his free throw shooting is still below his field goal percentage and his free throw shooting is at 72% in the last ten games. Uh, you know, Gordon, uh, Andre Robertson is one of the best elite defensive players in the league. He shut down Harden. He shut down Carmelo. I tweeted during the day that the that the key to this game in many ways can be if Rodney Hood can get going. He came out right of the shoot, hit the three right at the top, got it rolling. I mean, this was just this game wasn't particularly close. This was this was an absolute absolute butt kicking in in every single aspect uh, of the game. And so they were on a back-to-back, and there was a travel advantage to Jazz, and there's a lot of aspects to it. But the, on the other end, uh, the Jazz are just rolling. And now, you, and then you start to dig in. You know, I, this is where, you know, I was talking to Sam Amick, who did the video piece last night, yesterday before the game, and I, I just said to Sam, like, I think there's a chance that the Jazz are great. Uh, and, and I don't know what great means. I don't think they're Warriors great, um, but I do think they might be Clippers, Spurs great. Spurs are pretty darn good, but the Jazz actually numbers are better. Uh, the Jazz are the sixth best offensive team. They're the third best defensive team. They're the fourth best team overall in net, net rating. The only things they're not good at, they mean to not be good at. And what I mean by that is um, if you look at the Jazz right now, they're the fifth best shooting team. They're the ninth best team at getting to the line. They're the 14th best team at taking care of the ball. They're 26th in offensive rebounding. Well, they don't want offensive rebounding. They want to get back in transition. So are they good at that? Yeah, they're the number one transition defensive team in the league. So they're the number one team against the shot. They're the 10th best team at not fouling. They're the 11th best team at force at rebounding. And they're the 29th best team. At, they're the wor- second worst team at forcing turnovers. Well, why don't they want to force turnovers? Because they want to build a shell defensively and drive you into spots where you miss. Is that working? Sure it is because they're the third best defense and the number one team against the shot. So, you know, when you just look at what they're doing, it's stunning to me how good they are right now. Now, the schedule has been crazy soft, and we've talked about this stretch the whole time. You know, I talked about it from November 23rd when we hosted Denver all the way till December 16th, I thought was the time where the Jazz had to make hay, had to be really, really good, and they've done exactly that. So that's that's what makes me just super excited. And then, you know, in the metrics, obviously, you, you take that super easy schedule that we've had recently. I mean, we've played... Since December 23rd, we've played Atlanta. That's I don't even know if Atlanta's still above 500, are they? 
I mean, how many teams have we even played that are above 500 recently? Is Atlanta still above 500? Nope. Uh, they were then. Uh, we played Houston, who's above 500, beat them. Lost to Miami, who's not. Played Golden State, lost to them. Played Oklahoma City. You know, that's we played three teams that are above 500 in the stretch. So this was a soft, home-heavy, non-fatiguing schedule. We look brilliant doing it. Okay, most teams would. But what I talked about all year long is how important it is that you get a stretch like this, you believe in who you are, and I think the Jazz are there. Their net rating in the last 10 games is 12.8. Now, again, it's really soft part of the schedule. It's the third best in the NBA. Uh, they're, you know, last 20 games are the fifth best offense, third best defense, third best overall. Okay, we played 26 games this year. And that's while having our starters play 12 minutes all season long. It's incredible. Uh, they might be really, really good. They might be the fourth seed. They might be the third seed. They might be able to go seven games in every playoff series that they play. They might be really, really good. So give your holiday ticket packages to everyone. I guess that's what I'm telling you. All right, let's um, let's get to uh, the new quickly. Uh, the new CBA is out. I have not done a huge amount of work on it yet today. I just kind of scanned. Here's the things that are relevant. Uh, the basketball-related income will not change, only related in the sense so it's a nine, uh, uh, the TV deal's the same, and uh, just, that doesn't change. Two veteran players who have been all NBA on your roster can be extended now up to six years. This is going to greatly reduce player movement, or at least is designed to, which is really interesting. Um, I don't know that we're going to have all NBA players, but it's going to do two things Uh, I think it's got some unintended consequences that people don't realize. Uh, So the first, you know, DeMarcus Cousins, Paul George are the first thing that come to mind here. My first thought on this is it's going to reduce player movement, which is going to make second-tier star players, Gordon Hayward types, uh, who get on the open market even more valuable than ever before because the Kevin Durant, DeMarcus Cousins, Paul George star-level players are going to have been taken off the market by signing this six-year extension. Uh, the second thing it's going to do is that when these players are offered this six-year extension and they don't sign it, they're going to get traded immediately. Uh, it's going to send a, a real sign to a team that suddenly if he doesn't take the six-year extension instead of the five he can get on the open market, that he has no interest in staying with his team. And so that's going to be uh, guys are going to get traded in much, you know, right now, if you're Sacramento and you offer DeMarcus the six-year extension, he says no, boom, he's out, and you're trying to get something for him, and he's in a depressed market. So it's going to be really interesting. On one level, it's a pro. You can keep your player. On the other level, I think it's going to really kill you. The third thing it's going to do is I think for – I'm not sure this is any different for franchises like Utah or someone like that, but it just means that the star players are not going to be on the open market. And so you better build through the draft and acquire your players through trade or really through the draft really well. I think draft picks become even more and more uh, valuable in this. If you can get a good player from the draft and then you're able to keep him, he become, it's even more valuable than before. Uh, the other one is they've updated some of the fixed salaries, the minimum salary, rookie scales increase. That decreases some of the value uh, of draft picks, but draft picks will still be relatively low. Salary numbers uh, for you. Uh, there'll be uh, rosters will be 17 now, and you'll have two players that go to the D League on two-way contracts. I would suspect that those players will turn out to be veterans. 
and not even good veterans. Um, the Jazz traded for Aaron Kraft last year, who's in Europe right now. He's a good example. You bring him over, uh, and while you don't really think he's a developing player, if one of your point guards gets hurt, you let he comes over. He doesn't go to Europe. Um, actually, a good example of this been would have been a player like Pace Mannion. I see that former Jazz broadcaster and former Jazz player Pace Mannion has said hello on Facebook. But he actually, in the later end of his career, here's a really good player who maybe when he was the 15th man on the roster got cut, and so he ends up in Europe. Now he goes and makes a bunch of money in Europe, and now he really wants the NBA experience. He might decide, this is not really perfect for Pace, but he's got his beautiful Italian wife at this point, so he brings her back to the U.S. Now this is perfect for Pace. And I don't know if this is actually the order things happen. Uh, and so you you come back if you're this player. I've lost the focus of this. Uh and you have a player who, okay, I'm probably not going to come into training camp and compete for the 15th spot because as a veteran, I'm not going to make the 15th spot. The 15th spot is Joel Ballenboy type player. But if we have the set now with a 17, that guy ends up going to the D League, veteran leader at the D League. And if, let's say we only had three point guards and George Hill gets hurt, you know you can bring him in and he'll give you 10 games of really solid play. And then when George Hill's healthy, you go put him back in the D League. I as as much as everyone's going to talk about this as a developmental thing, I think it's going to be the opposite. I think it's going to be veterans who have made some money in Europe, would like to have the NBA experience one more time, or maybe even Aaron Kraft is a good example, as I started. Veteran, D-League player, goes to Europe, comes back to the D-League, hasn't had the NBA experience, and will be that guy who you know you can plug in. Henry Sims, who just left the Salt Lake Stars to go to China, would be another good example. He played for Philadelphia. He's been around. He's not. He didn't make the Jazz roster with. He beats him out. But you keep him in Salt Lake on a two-way contract. Not that he's ever going to develop, but it's a security blanket. That's that's my guess on those um, on the way that's going to work. The D League salaries for two-way contract players are supposed to be between fifty and $75,000. So that's going to reduce the interest in some players going to Europe a little bit. One and done is still in place. Preseason, as you've heard about, is going to be short, and we're going to start our games earlier, which affects the TV guys, but not the radio guys, because we call every game anyway. Uh, and then there's a really interesting one where the over 36 rule is moving to over 38, and you have to wonder how much the big-name guys impact that. So those are kind of my CBA takes. Um, uh, Tom Ziller, who's unbelievable, uh, did some – uh, kind of winners and losers, and I haven't really analyzed this a great deal, but his winner, his his view of the winners were non-glamorous franchises, so that would be good for us. Um, he's, you know, he says that basically in two years the Pelicans will be able to offer Anthony Davis a six-year extension for $250 million, where his, if he goes out, it's going to be a four-year for $160. Um, so the, the really, it's going to be a huge... Um, in that sense, the same thing for Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook. Uh, 2018 free agents. Uh, the Westbrook, free, by the way, six-year extension is $218 million. Uh, NBA fringe players, we just talked about, they said, is a big, uh, is a big winner along the way. Um, the players, Adam Silver, and the fans were the other three uh, that he mentioned. His losers, he said, were Oklahoma City Thunders, Super Teams, College Basketball, and Foreign Basketball Leagues. And that last point, I think, is... Um, 
what you're up there. By the way, another uh, there's just a ton of articles being written about the Jazz right now. There was the Zach Lowe piece. Tim Cotto, who's really, really good for SB Nation, uh, just wrote a piece called These Are the Jazz We've Been Waiting For. Sam Amick has a video thing. People are figuring out we might be really, really good. All right, let's go to the questions. Let's see if I can pull it off the screen in front of me. It's an easier um, way to do this. Let's, let's go to my page. By the way, Pace, if you're still on, um, awesome to hear from you. Uh, Pace Manning has always been one of my favorites. We've had a we've had a good relationship. Hope Nico's still killing it. His son, I think we're going to hear about his. From what I hear from the grapevine, we're going to hear about his son uh, here pretty soon. That he's his son is quite a player. All right. Uh, any news on Seattle Sonics coming back? Um, I have a theory. I've never gone public with. I don't think I should. I don't know. What's interesting, here's an, this is an interesting quandary for me right here. So I have a theory on how Seattle's going to get a franchise. Um, I, don't, um, I don't have any facts on it. I don't know anything about it. It's not like I have some inside scoop. And yet I feel like if I, as the radio voice of an NBA team, went with it on this format and anyone picked it up, it would become like a big story, which I don't mean it to be. It's just a theory. So I do think Seattle's going to get a franchise back. I'm going to be really obtuse here. I don't think it's going to be expansion. And I think it's going to follow the exact same model of how Oklahoma City got the franchise. And if you can kind of piece that together, then there's your answer. So we'll see whether that's true. Uh, All right, let's continue. Um... There's 45 comments here, and I can't seem to get them all to pull up on my desktop for some reason. I wonder why not. Let me see if I play around a little bit, push a few buttons. In the meantime, uh, I'll take them off the tablet, but then that means my finger is going to be, like, pushing around. Um, All right. Uh, Michael Matthew Kevin Kufer comes in and says... He uh, is part of the early success of the Jazz because the injuries making it impossible for other teams to scout and prepare a proper game plan. No, I don't actually think that's it. Um, you know, they know what to do. We're, I think our depth is the reason. We talked about the depth all year. Zach Harper, when he was at CBS Sports, had a thing that we were the number one depth in the league. I think that's shown. Andy Bailey over at FanRag Sports had an interesting thing about how uh, if you took the rankings of all of the players, we were once you had went 10 deep, we were the number one team in the league. Um, I think that's why. And I think Quinn Snyder's incredible, and I think his staff's amazing. And I think Gobert and the Jazz have two guys that are playing like all-stars right now is the other thing. So I think that's a huge part of it. Uh, Lance, Arnott, do you think that George will work out an extension with Utah with the new CBA or will he wait? I don't know enough about the new CBA to see how it impacts George. The five-year extension, six years, doesn't fit to him. Um, I, I think that George is... 30 years old, this is his last big contract, so he's not going to take a discount to stay in Utah uh, is the one thing that I would uh, I would really point out here. I, I think that's probably the most important thing, and, and not in any criticism to George either. I think you've got to understand that that's why would you possibly – you wouldn't do it either. You might like Utah all you want, but this is your last big contract. You're 30 years old. Your career is coming to an end here in a second. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, 
absolutely you're not going to take less money. So I, the Jazz would certainly like to keep George. I, you know, it's an interesting game, George or Derek, and what do you do? The timing, in my opinion, lines up that you do George, not in any disrespect to, to Derek, but you do George now, and then if Gordon leaves, then if you re-sign Gordon, then Derek becomes tough, and then you have to make some decisions based on that that are very difficult. But if Gordon leaves, then you kind of – then. Derek's your security blanket. You, the scenario I don't think you want to have happen is that you don't sign George. George and Gordon both go out to free agency. Suddenly you're dealing with both of them at the same time, and one of them gets away. You really kind of, I think, for the well-being of the franchise, need Gordon and George back. And I think the presence of Rodney, Gordon, and would allow George to age well. So I, I think there's that. Kevin Thomas, has Ingles developed a quicker release? It feels that way, doesn't it? I've tried to talk. It's very interesting. So as great as Joe is on the radio show and fabulous as he is just regularly, I tried to really sit down with him and talk about what's going on with him recently and why he's so much better and what's he changed. And he just he wasn't giving me anything. Uh, his basic comments, I played the national team all year. Quinn Snyder's comment is he's in much better physical shape. It's allowing him to do more. Um, off the off the court, he does talk about the Twins, that having the Twins has just allowed him to leave the game and not be bothered by it. He, he's playing with a level of freedom. Uh, I think he came this season with very little expectations. Thinking he was going to get very little time the way the roster was made up and that he was the forgotten guy and he's proven otherwise, so maybe a little chip. Uh, it's pretty cool. So... Uh, Michael Davis says locked in NBA need, may need a new scout to keep credibility. I, I think this is really so. This is why I like that scout so much, and I think it's interesting if you listen to locked in NBA. He has different viewpoints of other people. There's a huge level of unfortunate groupthink. We have dominant guys like Zach Lowe and Tom Ziller and Kevin Pelton and 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 Kevin Arnovitz and and last year I thought Ethan was really dominant, and everyone thinks the same. And if you bring up something different than what they think, you're shunned as you're not a smart basketball guy. And I think it's really bad, frankly. Um, And I think there's a huge amount of following in the media that everyone pontificates on the same thoughts. And I try to avoid it and try to touch on other things. And, you know, I'm the one who's bringing up recently, maybe there's an answer that you're supposed to be going two bigs and five wide and not this one in, four out that everybody's doing. Uh, And trying to look at it in different ways. And this scout has got a different viewpoint. He's definitely a little bit old school. He definitely wants grit and grind, and he wants big guys who can play with a post presence every now and then. And you know what? I, it, I, I would tell you this. You, you can decide you don't think he's right. That's fine. But he is paid by an NBA team and hired by that team and, get, and, and employed by that team to provide his opinion. So that opinion exists in the league. Uh, what does Dante's development have to do to take the next step? I just think time. I mean, he's played one of the last three years. Um, he's playing on a really good... You're going to see Dante's minutes and Trey Lyle's minutes drop. We're good. Young players make a lot of mistakes that don't play, and they don't play on really good teams. You know, last night, Trey Lyle's didn't run her outright on an offensive play. Got, I think, somewhat taken out of the game. I'm not sure exactly that, but it's sure... Um, you know, it seemed to you know alter on... You know, he seemed shortly thereafter... Those are mistakes that if you're going to win 27 games, you let the guy have and he keeps moving. If you're going to try to win 55 games, you don't have. Uh, Michael Davis follows up with Dante looks like a longer Tony Parker. Hope so, because Tony Parker's going to the Hall of Fame. So I, I, I would say that seems to be a stretch. You know, truly, let's realize Dante's shooting is is historic. In two years, 100 games in the se- in his career is historically bad. Like, he's 
He's like one of ten players to ever have numbers this bad. So there, there's an area of his development that's got to be shooting. All right, let me see if I can get to some of the earlier comments. These are all the ones that are just coming in right now. Um, can you introduce me to Joe Ingles? No, but he's awesome. Why is your shirt backwards? What do you mean? Oh, because the screen does it somehow? I don't know. Um, Tyler Kenny, no relation to Kristen Kenny. You're not drinking coffee. Locke is the best in the business. Thank you very much. By the way, I hope you listened to our radio broadcast last night. Last night's radio broadcast is one of the... Ron was incredible. Uh, Kylie Young and Rick Miller, from a scouting, uh, from a stat standpoint, were terrific. Chase Metcalf and Adrian Leiser back in the studio. I, I thought last night was one of the best broadcasts we've ever had. I really did. I, I left last night as, as pleased as a professional as maybe I've ever been. Uh, we hit a storyline that, that Russ is really fabulous in the first seven seconds of the shot clock, and he's not afterwards. And the Jazz were able to defend it and keep him in. We hit the storyline that, uh, that Gordon Hayward against Andre Robertson was going to be tough, and it was up for Rodney Hood or someone else to pick up the slack, and he, and he did. I guess I like the fact our storylines worked. Uh, I grew up listening to a guy named Greg Papa doing Golden State Warriors games, and I always felt at the end of the night that I know what happened in the game. I learned more about the game, and I learned more about the league. And that's what we try to do every night. And I, I thought last night we hit a grand slam, so I'm fired up about that. Uh, I don't know if you cared about that, but I, got, I get to share too. Uh, can we talk about containing Russell in the early part of the shot clock um, on almost every – yeah, I mean, I, they did it. They, you know, I thought Quinn had a great point. You can't turn the ball over. And you can't try to defend if Russell gets a defensive rebound one-on-one you ha- or one-on-two. You've got to get all the way back, set yourself, build that wall. And Russell ran into that wall all night long. And then when he started passing around, Oklahoma State just didn't have threats. What do you think Burke's role could possibly be with the way Ingles is playing? Uh, I think it's limited. I think it's really limited. Uh, I think he's a backup two. Maybe he plays a little backup one. Shelvin's playing pretty darn well, though. Uh but I think Joe Ingles brings a versatility of, you know, Joe Ingles played the two, the three, and the four last night. It's really kind of a neat player. Moves the ball, now best shooter in the three-point shooting in the league. Uh, the underhand scoop, which we need a name for, by the way. The scoop from down under. I tried last night with the double scoop because it's for two points by number two. People hated that. Anybody got any good ideas for what we're calling that underhand, left-handed underhand scoop by Joe? Uh, status on Alec Burks. Alec is working really hard. If you watched pregame Periscope with Ron Boone last night, you saw uh, him, vintage AB, kind of saying how hard he's working. Maybe not the cleanest. And uh, he's working hard there. you got to understand what he's been through, though. So he breaks that leg on December 26th. He has surgery. They come back from it. Um, and and then you've got to get all the tendons to fire again. You've got the whole body to work. And then there's the debridement. Then they, they go in again to try to fix some things. They get the – they don't – find that little piece I guess I don't know and then the next step they go back in they get the piece out the debridement and now you got to get all the tendons to fire you get the whole body to work again and this is an elite athlete it's not like you and I like we go back out and we're all, that, this is an elite athlete this is a hard hard process for Alec to get back through he and uh, Jeff Workentine are or excuse me uh, Watkinson uh, are uh, assistant coach are working really, really hard with the training staff on all these movements. Uh, you'll see him running full speed, stopping on one leg and trying to hold the position, uh, then cutting to the side, and you're just trying to get everything to fire. So it's, it's a he's. It feels like, you know, Ron and I talked about on the air last night about two weeks ago. If you'd asked us, we thought he was closer than Derek because he was working harder, but his process of what he's going through is so much more detailed that I don't know how close he is because I think, I mean, I think he's. I think he'll get to play some one-on-one, two-on-two here soon. 
I don't know if soon's today or next week or two weeks. I don't want to put a timetable on it, but I, uh, we don't do that. Uh, but I, but I do think that um, I, I think he's getting there. I mean, I, let's avoid the next injury and we'll be all right. Um, I thought Joe got hurt last night. I was concerned about that. Uh, how do you think Rudy Gobert did not play? Why do you think Rudy Gobert did not play the favors last night? Because as I talk, if you watch Locked On Jazz all week, what I talked about is favors coming back. Is he'll come back as the backup center. That's the easiest way to get him his 16 minutes. You know, he had 12 minutes last night, get him 16. The next night, get him 18. And then you start spark, probably when he goes up to 24. You don't want to start him yet because you'll screw up the whole rotation. Um, and so you uh, – so you right now – and one of the key things in the Jazz envisioned all year long was that Gobert played 32 minutes a night. And the other 16 center minutes would be played by favors. So right now, while he's only playing 16, play those center minutes. You have one of those two on the floor for all 48 minutes. That's the vision. Then the other 16 minutes eventually favors plays, or maybe Derek's only going to play 28, are as power forward. So you start the first and you start the third, and then you're his, you play the backup minutes when Gobert goes out. You know, you probably have Derek check out the five-minute, six-minute mark of the, of the first quarter, and then he comes back to open the second with the second team. Uh, and that's the way you use Derek, and then if you close those games and you get the other. Um, when is the last time a center outplayed Gobert? Son Whiteside was close that night. Derek uh, Gordon got uh, – Rudy got caught up in the one-on-one battle, didn't defend as well that night. Uh, otherwise, it's been a while. Clint Capella in Houston got him. Uh, he got – he got he, he was had on back-to-back nights uh, in er, in November and then has not been had since. He's been great. Uh, do you guys see the NBA top 10 snub of Rudy after his Kings game? Yeah, I don't really worry about those things. Um, so you, I don't see those things. Um, seems like there's a new level of confidence with this team. Can you talk about what is driving this and impact? Yeah, winning. This is why all year long I said that we just this team has to win games early in the year and believe in itself as a group, and then that will make them deal with the uh, – minutes and substitutions and things when they're winning. You know, you can't complain when you're winning. And this team's going to have a lot of guys not getting the money that they want or not the the time they want to get, not the money, the time they, they want to get. But right now it's winning. They've, they've done this perfectly. The schedule is crazy soft. They took advantage of it. It's been perfect. Uh, when will Burke play? I don't know. He plays for um, Washington. He's not a part of our group. He played 12 minutes last night. He's having a good – oh, you mean Alec Burks. I don't know. I just des- described that. We are deeper. We are the deepest team in the league, Joe. We are not deeper than most teams. We are the deepest team. Who in the NBA do you think Alec can play like or similar to after arriving to the game early and watching his shoot around? I noticed his mid-range J is automatic. Uh, could he be similar to DeRozan? DeRozan is about to go into the Hall of Fame for scoring 30 points a game this year. Uh, remember, we always compare players to superstars. We probably need to find someone else. I don't know who, what Alec is going to be um, as a player. And I don't know who he's going to come back as as a player. I really don't. I don't have any idea. And I think that's going to be interesting to watch and let him go through this process. It's been a year since December 20, when he got hit uh, by Paul Pierce, and, I, and he was evolving into a different player then. Uh, right about now, he started as point guard in a three-man, in the triple wing, started against Oklahoma City at this time last year. Uh, they lost Durant. We don't have anyone caliber Durant. This is why they look bad. We could be fine losing one of our two pieces of our core because none of our other players are close to being stars. Um, we lose Rudy or Gordon, we're going to have a hard time. Don't underestimate how good they are. And don't underestimate how much everything else is predicated off of that. 
okay? Like, last night, Rodney gets going early because Robertson is on Gordon. The minute Gordon goes out of the game, Robertson goes on Hood, and Hood doesn't score. Robertson's that good. And you have both of them, and Gordon's taking, then Rodney goes gets to go to work. Um, should Joe Ingles get playing time over Burks when A.B. comes back? I, I mean, I, I think so right now. And, and I don't mean that critically to A.B. I just don't know who A.B. is right now. Who's better player, George Hill or Oladipo? I like George Hill. Oladipo's younger. I felt they, that both of them being out equalized the injury factors showing where the superior where the superior. Yeah, I mean, the schedule was a huge part of last night, too. I mean, I, we have to go both ways in the schedule. I, you guys generally, I don't know if all of you do, but a lot of you hate it when I bring up schedule and we lose. So let's make sure we bring up schedule and we win. It's a huge part of this league. Is Joe Ingles improved shooting play a result of... Practice, confidence, comfort level. Uh, I think it's practice. I think it's playing on the national team. I think it's being in the league for a while. I think it's being in better shape and evidently uh, having the twins. Uh, it seems as though efficiency is highly valued throughout the league in general, but ignored when it comes to certain players like Russ. Why? Certainly the Jazz have a huge advantage. Um, Russ has actually been fairly efficient this year uh, because he's getting the free throw line uh, so much. But I, I, I mean, I also think just, what Russ is doing, carrying the entire franchise, and look what happens on back-to-back nights when he doesn't have a triple-double, who, you know, what what they're asking out of him. Uh, I'm going to scan through some of these. It's going to be a little choppy here because we're at 36 minutes. And I need to wrap up. Um, do you think we'll be – any Derek, Derek and Rudy question for Mason's a really good question. So, I, again, I think we'll start them together when Derek's right. We'll then stagger them throughout the night, and then depending on – how the game, what what the lineups are on the floor, and depending how the game is going, one of the two will finish. And on maybe on some nights, <clears throat> both finish, or maybe they substitute in and out, depending on the matchups. Derek, when he's right, is pretty good handling out on the defending out on the perimeter. So it goes either way. Um, what's the two man ladder data with Exum and Rudy? They seem to play well together. Um, Frankly, I don't have it in front of me, um, and unfortunately, I believe my spreadsheet that gives me all these things just kind of had I hit a button during the show that I didn't want to. Uh, this is a few days old, but a quick scan of Dante and Rudy are even. It's like kind of one of the only players that Dante is even with, but this is a few days ago. Dante played well. Dante and Gordon are even, are plus five. Dante and Rudy are even. Dante and Rodney are zero. And then when Dante plays with the bench, it's not great. Um, hello to Pace Mannion. Um, Sonic's questions. I think I got to most of these. I think we're wrapping up. Why aren't the Grizzlies losing? I don't know. I've asked both Kevin Pelton and the scout this week. I think it's incredible. Uh, I mean, I, I it, it's incredible. They Last night they won because Cleveland didn't play anybody, but they didn't have anybody either. Um, I think it's 55 wins realistic. It's hard at this point to make up wins. Uh, but I think there's a chance. I mean, we're really good. I think we're really, really good. Um, any way to do recordings of games, they don't have it. Actually, the best thing I could tell you is Tim Roy does this, is you, you roll on it on your computer and record it on your computer. Um, Tim Roy's the Warriors. Um. Announcer. Thank you, Nathan, for that nice note. How efficient is Joe Johnson isolation? It seems like we let him play uh, as a ball up. It doesn't seem as efficient as our regular offense to me. Am I way off? You are way off. 
this was going into, this might be a night or two old, but going into a night or two ago, uh, from three to, this is actually, I think, up to date. From three to 16 feet, he's shooting 50%. From three to 10 feet, he's shooting 53%. And just purely in the paint, Joe Johnson was about 54%. Joe Johnson is really good. And he's having a big impact on this team. So, no, you're wrong. And when he can kind of get into that lane and do that, no one's bringing help because no one wants to leave three-point shooters, and he's scoring at a very high rate. Uh, You know what? Sorry, someone just pissed me off. Um... For all the games, Brock, it does seem you seem almost that some of the ref calls penalties against the Jazz. No. We just care more. Is Joe Johnson okay with limited minutes? I don't know how I'm going to talk to him about it. He has played more games under 30 minutes already this year than he has in any year of his NBA career. The alley scoop? It's not an alley-oop, though. But I like it. I'm trying to find a name for that. Um... Uh, assuming the Jazz have one of the best benches, do we challenge the best teams in the West? Yes. I think we're really, really good. I think we have a chance. Someone says they like the alley scoop. Um, I mean, the problem is, by the way, I don't know how our guys play in the playoffs. We've never done it before. We never had that experience. We're not, we don't have that. And we don't have the guy, right? I thought, you know, Andre Roberson took Gordon out of the game last night for a period of the game. And that's because he's great, and he did the same thing to James Harden. He did the same thing to um, Carmelo. So it's not even a sign that Gordon's not a star. It's just LeBron and it's like Durant are the two players you just can't take out of a game no matter what. Jazz took Westbrook out of the game last night, right? So it happens to the best players. It just gets really hard in the playoffs. Um The veggie might scoop. Now we're talking. Um, are we better? Uh, we're bet. Ask about the final five minutes stat. I've actually gotten rid of the five final five minutes stat because I think it's stupid. Very intellectual of me, right there. Here's why. The other last week we blew three twenty point leads. All three games got within five points with five minutes left. We then blew it back out to ten, and we got credit for three clutch wins. I don't think there was any clutch about any of those wins. So I thought the research that one of our listeners did, and I apologize, I don't have it, is off the top of my head, last year in which he looked at the fact that our late game record was so bad because we were always trailing, was really revealing. And now we're doing the opposite and we look good. So I still believe in the first 43 minutes. What I would like to watch is, you know, the outcome of games um, when the game is within a possession or Probably a possession. Three points on either side with five minutes left. That That's that's what I'd like to watch. You know, just that benchmark. But when it's, you're down 10, you bring it down, and then it gets to four, and then that counts as clutch, and then the other team makes their run, you didn't, you're really not lacking clutch. It's kind of a silly stat. So I've dropped it from my stat notes. That is the Shamrock Auto Group edition of Locked On Jazz live on Facebook. Thank you very much for tuning in. Go listen to Locked On NBA and see what you think. And make sure you check out Shamrock Auto Group. Rob's the owner. You can call Rob Taylor at 801-319-2250. That's 801-319-2250. Have a great day. And if you'd like to get your jazz holiday packs, go to utahjazz.com.